0: Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast.
1: Welcome to this week's NL Full Time Podcast. So, on this week's National League podcast, we are, as always, joined by Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Hi, guys. So, it was top v bottom yesterday in the National League, and quite a surprising result, as Salford only drew 2-2 with Braintree. They did take the lead in the first minute through, Rory Gaffney, but two goals from Mo Bettimer gave Braintree the lead, before Gaffney rescued a point for Salford in the last minute, and a uh, good point for Braintree, but a little bit disappointed not to have won. Yeah, a
2: always feels like a when you see that late but um, yeah overall a good point and, and for Salford really you know what what's vital for them is not so much that they added another point to their total but they kept their unbeaten home record going amazing how when you're on the kind of run they are you suddenly come to up last minute goals like that and Gaffin taking the headlines on this occasion and for Braintree the form of Mo Betimer continues to be impressive, doesn't it? And uh, a drop of the captain, Tom there, who told us about Mo Better right at the start of the season and uh, he's really uh he's really keeping the minute by the skin of their teeth at the minute, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he is indeed. But for Braintree, Hakan Herettin, he's back there in temporary charge and he um, he wants a job permanently. I think he felt a bit hard done by last time. When they went down, he was kind of discarded with quite quickly. And so I think he's got a point to prove as well.
2: He's got a point to prove. He feels he's got unfinished business there as well. And uh, he's desperate to get the opportunity. What you have to say is regardless of the manager that comes in, given the location, given the size of the crowd, um everything else as well, they doing well in the club aren't they to be at this level and it's
1: always going to be a bit of a fight to uh, preserve it oh yeah absolutely And um, but they'll take heart from that and another team who'll take heart a, a Dover Athletic they uh, appointed a new manager this week with, through uh, appointing Andy Hessenthaler who left Eastleigh to go back to Dover. He'd been there as assistant manager previously, and he started off by gaining a two-two draw against Harrogate, and that followed a similar pattern to the Salford game, in that Harrogate took the lead through Aaron Williams, then Eni Effiong scored two goals for Dover, and then it was a last-minute equaliser from Kelvin Lambeed, and it, it basically mirrored the Salford game, didn't it? It did actually, very, very
2: similar, and. You know, we were on the verge of two of the shot results of the season there yesterday until added time. Um, you know, so, uh, but a great start, really, for Essenthaler, um, making a real impact. And uh, I think, you know, reading the interview with him in the paper this morning, it's a job that He couldn't turn down, really, a chance to go there. He still lives in Kent. You know, he was getting up at 3.30 uh, for the drive to Eastwood, I mean, three days a week. Um, and he's done that for a fair while, hasn't he? And he has been obviously with his head held high as well, I think. Left them in uh, tremendous form. As for Dover, well, he's, you know, he, he's not a to battle, has he, I and mean, He's, he's gone from a team unbeaten in six tenths from the table. Realistic chance of the playoffs to try to keep Dover
1: in the league. Yeah, I mean, and you won't bet against him doing it now as well. I mean, I think he's had experience before... Um, when he went in at Eastleigh last time I think they were struggling indeed he managed to pull them out of the mire and get them comfortably mid-table last season Like Orient they couldn't take advantage either uh, of Salford and Harrogate slipping up uh, they they drew nil-nil at home to Hartlepool a sellout Brisbane rolled and they they have um, they had Joe Widdison sent off as well is that a good point for Hartlepool or will they be disappointed that they didn't win against 10 men?
2: I guess they might point to that Martin, mate um... Don't know the story of the match other than the fact that Willison was sent off, and I think you know when you're level in the game and you go down to ten men, the first thing you try and make sure you do is that you, you, you battle hard for the clean sheet and you try and take a point out of it. And you know in that respect, Bate and Will have had better days, but they can say they've still got uh, something out of it. So most of the teams in the top six or seven um, drawing yesterday. The exceptions uh being uh fired who got a routine home win, two defeats on the bounce from Maidstone. Um, and the and big winners of the day I guess were Wrexham League, weren't they? Because they've uh, they've up to uh, second place with uh, a decent win away at four dagger. Continually seem to score, but lose by the old goal.
1: They were the big winners of the day, Rex, weren't they certainly good? Good win there, Luke Summerfield grabbing the winner down there for them. They rock it up into second place now. Uh, a game that you were at, Rob, uh, talking of shot results, <laughs> all the shot game there first, <laughs> all the shot game there first away win of the season. Um, really good form against Eastleigh. Probably a good time to play Eastleigh. I mean, the rumours out with Eastleigh that the money's maybe not going to be quite there next season, which is maybe by. Andy Hessenthaler has left the club, but you went down there and it was a, a good win in the end. You had to come all the shot had to come from behind, didn't he? They got two goals in a couple of minutes and uh, ended up winning by two goals to one.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna disagree with you slightly. Um, I do get your point. I think you say I think what you're saying is a good time to play in terms of the fact that their manager had left in the week. In terms of um, taking on a team man beating in six that had won their last four with three clean sheets. Um, you know, came up, trying to... There a lot of pressure on them, actually. It's February. The last time they won away from home was February, you know. Uh, had they not done so yesterday, they would have um, created a new unwanted club record of 14 away league games without a win. And then they went one nil no down after four minutes against a side that they had never beaten home or away. And Luke, I've got to say, it felt a little bit like uh, same old, same old for a little while, but those shot players actually responded really well. They showed a lot of character. I think they won seven or eight corners in the first half, and then in the final ten minutes of the first half, they literally ran riot. Um, they really should have scored four, took um, two of the chances, um, and the game should have been put to bed. But uh, as is true tradition in the shot way, it was a bit of a scrappy, nervy, second half but some decent game management and I, I only gave up two chances seriously easily in the whole game so uh, I thoroughly deserved three points and uh, a lot of relief and of course that's three wins in a draw in the last five and they're they're starting to uh, very slowly
1: uh, rise up the table Yeah and they broke the Eastley hoodoo of of having never beaten them and they also got the first away win of the season as we said So to celebrate that away win Rob went and caught up with Gary Waddock after the game Sitting down with uh, Gary Waddock here at the Silver Lake Stadium where
3: he's uh, contemplating Aldershot Down's first ever victory Anywhere against Eastleigh, Gary, that run's ended. Uh, back-to-back wins and uh, another another little run of away games without a win and all. They're all put to bed now, but just talk to us about how proud you are of not just that result today, but the character of your players and the uh, performance after going a goal down. I thought uh, from the first to the last second of the game, they were outstanding. Um, goal, a goal behind a game like this uh, against an experienced team and then to turn it around in the manner that we done it was uh, outstanding. We talked a few times about staying in the game when things go against you, and they did that really, really well today, Gary, and forced a succession of corners soon after the goal, but uh, the chances really started to flow towards the end of the first half. um, Two went in. Um, possibly the easiest one of all of them was missed you know I mean describe what, what it's like as a manager during a, a chaotic period like that I guess you're the calmest man in the house aren't you <laughs> no we had some good chances there was some good play uh, to get us in they're good chances to have you know and we, we could have gone away with it if you like uh, just before half time but it wasn't to be but the, the players kept plugging away at it playing the way we want to play we created chances uh, against an experienced team, as I keep saying, and they're on a good run of form also. i come away um, with three points from a difficult fixture with a change of manager, uh, and I know Streb's really, really well. He's obviously wants the job here, so the players are working very hard for him to try and get it for him. Uh, and I wish him well. I hope he does go on um, and achieve that. From our side, I was absolutely delighted. I was delighted for our away supporters. They, I thought they were as good as the team and they roared us home at the end. You beat me to my next point. I mean, the atmosphere towards the end of the stadium was incredible because as much as they were getting behind the shots, uh, players, there will have been nerves there, Gary, you know. Uh, things have always seemed to, something always seems to go wrong at Easley, and, and, and they know that more than anybody, the fans, but they, it didn't stop them uh, getting behind the team at every tackle and every pass. It was nice to put it to bed and, uh, and beat Eastleigh. We we haven't. Uh, I was aware of that, uh, and our fans are aware of that. But to come here and play the way we did and get the result, we can put that one to bed now. Back-to-back wins in the league over the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, which uh, lifts your side to a healthier position in the national league table. Now your thoughts and attentions turn to uh, the FA Cup. You've got a home draw uh, against the side from two divisions lower but my goodness me they're a good side, scoring a lot of goals and uh, winning a lot of football matches, they'll provide tough opposition for you I'm sure, the, the pleasing thing is we're at home, that's for sure uh, they're top of the table um, they're doing something right to be there um, so I'm going to go to the game on Tuesday evening they've got a fixture Tuesday evening so I'm going to uh, go and watch that game um, and make sure our preparation is as right as it always is going into Leagues fixtures. so it's an important game for us that's what I was going to say. I mean, fans will think, "Oh, it's the Africa, or whatever." But really, you, what you're trying to do week by week is just get this side gelling, get a little bit of a pattern of play, get a, a consistency of character. Uh, and so, there, far I guess, as far as you're concerned, it's just another football match. Seven days later, isn't it? It is, yeah. And we want to damp our, I don't know, our play on any opposition that we play against. And you know better than anybody we want to play a certain way in a certain style and i've said it earlier on in the season let's be patient we're on the back of a very good performance away at Eastleigh, um and we need to maintain that standard that uh, the players have set
1: and that was all the shot manager gary waddock and as you said a lot of relief there rob I And
3: mean,
2: it's a lot of relief and a lot of pride as well because you know when when you're on a run like that away from home and you go behind early you know, uh, you, you know that, that sometimes with the mentality of players, they could have shirked away from it, they could have shrunk away and just, uh, you know, gone down a couple of goals and lost another game, but they didn't. They really, really responded well. Um, and it was really interesting to pick up from Gary he to be there. He's very fond of uh, Ben Strebens. He, uh, Strebens has played for him before. Um, he absolutely he absolutely vindicated that that Stevens could well be the right man for that job. alright he got off to an losing start, but um, you know he's already on the coaching team. He's stepped forward now, and uh, a little bit like Hay-Legend a Bantry, a he's made it really, really clear right from the outset
1: that he wants that job. Yeah, and it feels like he's done his um he's done his apprenticeship, hasn't he? Und- Under someone like Andy Heston, as well, he'll have picked up a lot, won't he? And it's up to him now. It's his job to lose, I suppose. Obviously, he didn't get off to a, a great start. But Eastleigh this year are actually justifying sort of the money they've been paying out in the recent years. I mean, they're in 10th. They're only six points off the playoffs. It was a 50-feet in five yesterday. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if he can come and get that new manager bounce. And if he gets them to push on, they'll, they'll fly into the playoffs. Absolutely.
2: And, um, you know, they're not in a bad position for him. You know, Stevens. You don't often get to take over a team that's in 10th place, do you, you know? No. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he's got a, a decent fighting and chance. And by all accounts, they didn't really, you know, yesterday was the worst that they played for sort of seven or eight games. So, I, I can't really give too much of a judgement on Eastley based on yesterday. I can tell you that McCallum and Zabrowski up front are a real nuisance and McCallum, of course, got his goal yesterday. One of the interesting things about Eastleigh, as you say, the world goes round quickly in terms of attracting players. That's what might really change now, Luke, because it was well-known, wasn't it, at National League level that Eastleigh were paying decent wages. There's mm-hmm. um, even reference to it in John Parkin's book, actually, that I read while I was away on holiday last week. Right. A really, really good read that is, that uh, that John Parkin book. And he was saying, when he went, when he went to Eastleigh, he was uh, he was on wages there that matched what he was getting in League One. Do you believe it? No. <laughs>
1: I know it's a, it's, it's crazy, innit? I think that's one of, the, as I say, as alluded to earlier. I think that's one of the reasons that Andy Hessenzahl has maybe left because the rumours are that maybe they're going to have to cut back a little bit next season. So, big season for Eastleigh, well, coming up. Uh, can they get into the playoffs and, and see what they can do from there And can they so- consolidate in the in the National League? We uh, we wait and see. Gates said they've um, they've only had one defeat now in five, and they had a good win away at Havant and Waterloo. A really long trip for but he came away with the three points and they've snuck into the playoffs now, Rob. Yeah, I mean,
2: they continue to uh, surprise, really, don't they, after, you know, what happened over the summer and it looked like they were going part-time and then they just hung on there and said, no, we can can keep it full-time and and then the new investors came in and uh, Watson, who has made a really good start this season, you know, with a completely different feel about the play. Even Rick, having got the winner yesterday, he's started to, to weigh in with some goals and they're going really well particularly on their travels and you know you have to your cap to that because it's head to anywhere on a Saturday or yeah. you know if they get the chance to uh, stay over the night before I don't know but they're near enough going on a long away trip every time they hit the road and they're away from pretty decent. they just had a little bit of a wobble at home until the last match but uh, they're going well and I don't I think a little bit like Sony Hall Moore's uh nobody, nobody picked out Gateshead in their predictions for uh, possible playoff challenges
1: too. So. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, um, in terms, you've you sold that on nicely because Solihull. I mean, can we actually say that they're in the playoffs on merit? On merit now, and it's not just kind of a, a bit of a fluke that they've had a really good start. They're actually consolidating now, aren't they?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And they got themselves. So they know they've been to be against their absolute level, and still they found a way to go on and win that game. And that's a, you know, that is that is an absolute is really, really hard to try and you know, ignite their season. and they just can't seem to get going at the moment. And, you know, so whilst we are amazed at the progress of the likes of Gateshead and so oh, um, you know, we continue to, to wonder just why it's not clicking at Epsley.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you that, Rob, actually. Do you think they're underachieving a little bit this year? I mean, it's obviously, they, got, they did really well to get in the playoffs last year and gave it a really good goal, but they are having a... Well, it is a massive hangover, in it, this year? Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of those sides that were in the playoffs, the likes of Red Street and all the shots,
2: they didn't start the season well. You can sometimes be brought to a little bit of a hangover from that. Let's sort also of that, that was... Well, above expectations as well because it was their first year at this level. And I really hate to say it, but you know, it's so much harder in the second season, isn't it? And uh, I don't have any doubts that they have announced the quality of the desire, they put themselves well in this division. It's just you know, whether or not now um, the realistic chances of another playoff push are, are just beginning to ebb away.
1: Do you think, uh, oh, good point there, Ebb, ebb away for Ebsleet. <laughs> um. Do you think Daryl McMahon? Do you think Darryl McMahon is under pressure? Do you think it's? Uh, or not or Do you think the board? Will, do you think his job's quite safe at the minute? I doubt he's under pressure for his position, but
2: I bet he's putting himself under an awful lot of pressure. He's a passionate man. He's a winner. You know, on occasions we've spoken to him, we've all been thoroughly impressed with him, and uh, I'm sure he'll get it right. But uh, you know, in a way, perhaps similar to, to the likes of shot. You know, get, getting it right might end up being kind of mid-table up and mid-table this season and uh, and, and maybe going
1: again next season. Yeah, Boreham Wood, they, uh, they got their first win in five with, on Saturday when they beat Maidenhead United at home. Good comeback for wood there and also Chesterfield, they played in a late game against Halifax on, on BT Sport and Tom Denton came back to haunt his old club, Rob in the end he got an equaliser which uh, gave Chesterfield a good earned point at Halifax. Yeah I'm not seeing the
2: highlights of the game at all, you know I wasn't able to watch the game right um, but you know I guess they've got a great story there for the teams in Kansas, haven't they? I think the time he's hadn't won in around about nine games Chesterfield's 13. and Chesterfield's 13th. Uh, and there was a story
1: there waiting to happen, sadly it didn't happen, either way did it, both runs go on. With. It's uh, Tom Denton's first goal as well for Chesterfield, ironically, against the club that he left in the summer. Sutton United, we'll give them congratulations, they, they, they fell bravely on penalties in the end to Bohemians in the Iron Brew Cup which meant that their game against Barnett it was called off, but a, a great run for them in that little competition, Rob. Yeah,
2: they've done well and equipped themselves well,
1: haven't they? And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how they'll feel about it, but
2: they'll be looking to it down and get back, to, uh, get back to league action as soon as possible. Of course, the FA Cup's going to come around before that. Um, but just before we wrap up the National League, just a, a quick mention to Bromley and North Smith had a good month or so. As we there at Bromley, they eat uh, a 2-1 home in as well. Um, and uh, they've
1: lifted themselves uh, up to a nice comfortable position now and they can go again Yeah, not lost in four now they've picked themselves up after an iffy sort of September
2: Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler you are listening to the NL
1: full-time podcast In the south then, we'll move on to there So joining me on (laughs) the line now to talk about Chelmsford City's season so far and their game at Woking over the weekend is the Claret Army podcast, Darren Smith Hello Darren Hi Luke, good to speak to you. So over the weekend you got a good draw with Woking, despite taking the lead through Chris Weltdale. I suppose there's kind of a tinge of disappointment that you were leading and then didn't get the three points, but Woking had been going well this season.
4: Yeah, it was, um, it was a very good performance, um, although uh, second half obviously we've tailed off a bit, but first half was really good, um, Played some good stuff. Um, Woking weren't so great, they had quite a bit of a long ball really and sort of left there midfield players the most creative players sort of out wide they didn't really get much on the ball but I thought we played some nice stuff the forwards combined well uh, and I think deservedly took the lead really I had a few corners built from that second get a bit closer they finally got the goal um, we looked really comfortable apart from one defensive just for half time when uh, Loza their struck who got the goal later on went through and missed the one on one but apart from that it was really good performance first half come out second half again similar and then again silly mistake Loza robbed the ball off defender sort of uh about a little bit. He went through, put it in and then and then the sort of crowd got up. The players the game changed a little bit really. Uh, and then obviously went from there and um yeah, probably a draw was probably a fair result in the end, although Woking could have nicked it there right at the end when some of our defending got a little bit uh, a little bit sloppy
1: there was a good quote from Rob Stringer who said there's a lot of hunger in the team at the minute and it's interesting you say that because last year you were always in and around the playoffs whereas this year you're languishing down in 14th in currently so maybe not the start that you wanted
4: it's a weird season really We've quite a lot of injuries pre-season which really sort of hampered, hampered the team early on and um, well, the games come thick and fast at the start, really, it's not the time to be having a, having a, having your issues, really, because obviously there's option, opportunities there to get missed and, and draws and and, and could have been wins that you know when you're up, a bit more up to speed you would have got. But um, so at home it real been a real issue. One win out of eight, including an FA Cup defeat to uh, Worthing, which was was disappointing, obviously for the, the increased money and the chances of of progressing in that. So um, sort of been in all the games, haven't really been battered of those. St Albans the week we did lose 4-2 but we haven't first half so it's, it's been sort of struggle scoring all sort of silly errors at the back really have been costing us this season um, fortunately away from home a lot better we had great wins at Hungerford Hemel Wollstone. and obviously a good point we got yesterday and it could have been a win there so it's really a disaster I think. I think it's only three points off uh, the playoffs I believe um, it's very tight, but it's, it's been very yeah, very frustrating because look at the squad on paper and the team, it's a good team, the management team. You know, have shown what they can do previously. So, yeah, it's not quite happening at the moment. You, you say just hopeful that um, you know the team will start to gel and we can kick on from there and maybe sort of make a push up there and close that gap on the playoffs.
1: Now you are one of Britain's newest cities and of course you moved back home a few years ago and you've got your own ground. It's it's sort of, um, is it classed as a temporary home because it's it's got a running track around it and things like that and temporary stands. I mean, is is there more... Uh, is there an option to look at more a more permanent base maybe
4: yeah it's difficult it's not particularly popular I mean, it, as you said it's an, act, it's an athletic stadium really so you've got a running track around it and you know it's very open and especially when it's windy and cold it's, it's not a great place and the pitch and the great it's quite narrow as well so it's not ideal but um we're just sort of waiting for a takeover to, to go through um, X here and the sort of chances race course that have to, have taken over, but it's still going through the, the paperwork with with the, with the football, uh, with the FA and, and the league, um, but hopefully once that is kicked in, I think their ambition is either to hopefully have you know, develop what they can and get more more uh, use of the ground where they are to make that more into a football style stadium or possibly in the area. Um, or you know move away and get a proper stadium, but that is that is a plan. But I'm thinking that's best medium term, really, uh, or longer term is is a plan for that. But it, it is a bit of a hindrance um, to not have a ground go, It's just not really a proper football ground, but you know it's what it is, and it? it's good to be back in the city, and um, and obviously rugby rather be there than somewhere else, so it's good in that sense. But yeah, I think in you know in the long term, I think proper ground oh around would be the uh, the name
1: in terms of you saying it's hindering them do you, do you think so playing out that, that type of ground is, is hindering your home farm a little bit
4: possibly but you know it's the same for every team there and in previous years we've done okay there um, so although it, it's a little bit but you know they're there every other week so they should be getting used to it and it, should, it shouldn't be a massive issue and I don't think the management team use it as an excuse despite this limitation so um, yeah I don't think it's down, fully down to that to be honest, it doesn't help I suppose but um yeah and I do well she have a nice ground but I've, I think we should we be doing better and I think it's just as the issues I said earlier with sort of the finishing and, and some silly defensive errors and cost us there but um, but yeah it seems like a team do plan away at the moment that's for sure
1: So just tell us a bit about the, the current army podcast then Yeah so we
4: started out so I've always myself been quite interested in podcasts listen to that yourself and many hours uh, football and, and various things but um, and so I've been sort of thinking about doing and this pre-season we thought we'd give it a go so um we started that and just sort of get involved with the fans and the sports club quite a big, big support with that um, but we had managed to have a few interviews with uh, people from the club so the management team Kit man, uh, the assistant coach we've had on a couple of times Nick Haycock who's uh, is very interesting listen uh, gives you, you know, great information about what they're doing behind the scenes and obviously you know, talk with fans the different volunteers obviously at the club and you know non-leaguers a hell of a lot of volunteers that keep clubs going so the idea is just get involved more with that and just trying to uh, you know help fans you know, especially some of the fans that are, are not able to get to the games regularly sort of give them a bit more of a, an insight into club and what's going on really and uh, yeah it's been, been enjoyable and uh, so hoping to continue that and, and do as much as we can with it
1: and and how can people listen to that
4: well uh, we're on all the, all the usual platforms so Stitcher iTunes Acast uh, Spotify all those really but just search for Cloud Army Podcast on there city it's fairly niche in, in terms of uh, mainly about jobs and city but we do like to to uh, get a bit on from the opposition to talk about and get insight on the teams that we're playing and a bit wider stuff on sort of local area and just want football in general. So it's uh yeah, available everywhere.
1: Excellent, well uh, thanks for joining us Darren and uh, we'll speak to you later on in the season
4: Definitely,
1: thanks mate That, is, that was Darren Smith from the Claret Army podcast Chelmsford, they got a good draw yesterday as we heard against Woking Is still down in the nether regions though and Woking, they, they couldn't take advantage in the end and Welling have uh, gone above them we'll talk about that in a minute but Ricky, they carried on winning Jake Robinson didn't score though, did he Rob? in the end, it was, it was another uh, quite a big name for that level Moses Emmanuel who got the goal
2: Yeah, uh, apparently uh, Jake Robinson did that did have the ball in the net, but it was just uh, Sometimes, you know, for all the eye-catching results they've had this season, sometimes you can't beat in a tough tight game like that, just getting the run 0 You know, it's just that one goal, but it's the clean sheet, and it still gives you three points. You know, important that they do as well the this um, welling, but we certainly thought, you well, we might be up and over. They've now sneaked up to second place. Uh, a home win yesterday for welling. Uh, and, and I've got to mention, although he's not on the uh, podcast today, I've got to death my like cap to, uh, to Tom Lang again because uh, Larry thought that Adam Cruise would be the top scorer in the uh, National League South this season, didn't he? And, uh, of course, he's been outscored by Jacob Robinson. Well, look, he's now, um, I presume, on loan to uh, Welling and got both goals in their uh, 2-1 win against Slayer for so, Tom Adam Coons could do it, albeit in the colours of another
1: club. Yeah, that's a great signing for Welling. I mean, can we can we consider Steve King's men as actual, not only just promotion contenders, but title contenders? Well, I'm not seeing them play, but uh, looking at
2: the league table, uh, Luke, I think you have to. You have to really say that it's, it's probably at this point a three horse race between Billeric, Welling, and Welkin, and we'll come on to in just a minute. Uh, Bath's form's pretty good too, as well. Um, and what uh, do we see? World's good. Very nice. He's for them yesterday the the and uh, they sit in fourth place. So um, I, I, I wonder if it's starting to bubble up towards something like we had last year, you know, which was a, a really close affair between the top seven for ages and then those two. Uh, in Dartford and Haven that uh, broke away and uh, they literally went toe to toe over the last seven or eight games, winning, 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 didn't
1: they? To say it's, it's, it's going to be really, really tight, and I think Welling uh, don't rule them out, and not, like I say, Adam Coombs is a really key signing, and that'll be interesting when Billy Ricky go there, won't it? Because Welling's one of those, I'm sure you've been before, Rob, it's a very tight ground, and it's the main road, you can see the London buses going behind it, and there's a bit of a slope on it. It's not the easiest place to go and play football, is it? It's
2: not the easiest place uh, at all, and uh, it's going to be some work, It's going to be some work battles between now and the end of the season. And it, it's probably the last time that we'll say this now. Um, because obviously the league tables are fairly well formed now after 14-15 games. But uh, it's still relatively early isn't it? And the reason I'm making that point, another team we can't rule out in the National League South, starting to get some real momentum under the new manager, to go Johnson. The shackles are off, they're going full they're attacking, Turkey United, four goals! Away from home yesterday, do you know what, they're only seven points off the top of the league now and uh, just nestling there one place underneath the playoffs. I think Gary Johnson and Torquay are still
1: fancier, frankly. Yeah, they're doing a bit of a tramme, but obviously tramme didn't get rid of Mickey Mellon from last year. But they, they they are just kind of really picking up steam. A hatchet for Jamie Reed against Eastbourne Borough on, on on the 4G pitch down there, and Eastbourne have lost their weight a little bit. But as you say, teams will be looking over the shoulder now and uh, thinking, "Oh, OEC oh, talk here on the way here, aren't they?" Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when you get these bigger clubs at lower levels,
2: once they start to get momentum uh can be a little bit, a little bit like a juggernaut, uh, as we, we talked about in our WhatsApp group uh, earlier on. You know, so we're fascinating, fascinating at the top end of the National League South, and uh, at the uh, at the other end, of course, all um, Western Superman still can't get a win yesterday. They couldn't even get a game could they? Again,
1: to game against East York was was postponed rather sadly due to a road traffic accident actually. Best wishes to everyone involved in that. In terms of the actual, uh, as we say, we will go back to Bath just briefly, Rob. Really good yes, win for so. them, and let's say they've snuck into fifth place and they're a bit of a bit of a sleeping giant aren't they? Bath they've always been known as quite a strong um, conference team back in the day. And uh, are they on the way back potentially now?
2: Yeah, even well, last year didn't they when they lost. Uh, uh, Gary Owens, um halfway through the season and they sort of steadied the ship but uh, this season they've started really well and as you say deserved a deserved the place in the top seven uh, along with Slough as well first season at this level I know they lost yesterday but Hampton um, and Richmond were the other team that make up that top seven
1: Yeah and it was a surprising scorer yesterday as well for Dartford uh, goalkeeper Darren Ibrahim he scored in the 59th minute to a uh, for them to win down at Chippenham, he scored from just inside his own half, and uh, he got a goal last season as well. So he's uh, he's equalled his tally from last season, the uh, Gibraltar International, and uh, quite a rare thing in it for a goalkeeper to score once in the career, but twice is, is pretty amazing, isn't it? Absolutely, once is a fluke; uh, twice is consistently. Yeah, hopefully he's not on a goal bonus because Dartford will be sweating, won't they? Now the Dartford chairman.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's not really going the way that they would have liked it so far this season. 18 points from the first 12 games. Two and a half a game is no no disaster, but uh, that's a real slip from the heavy heights of last season. Um, If if, if you don't mind, Luke, the other team I wanted to highlight this week at that level was Truro. It's going to be a very, very big week for Truro City. I think I'll find out on uh, Tuesday whether or not uh, there's a possibility for them to go back to their ground which obviously you know regular listeners will know they, they're playing at the home games at talking this season uh their crowds have dropped to about 150 um and they've still not won playing at home at talking so uh it's really proving to be a long hard season in fact the crowd yesterday at Plainmore 86 yeah
1: that could be the lowest in conference, um, South National League South history. That it was. Um, it can't be helping the team at all, can it?
2: No, it can't. It's a lot rotten, old miserable time. And what they really need, they need some clear plan, something positive to cling to, because you know, you the players are going to drift away. You're not going to be able to attract players. Um, the fans are already sadly. Dipped away, um, and uh, I really, really hope that Truro can get back on track because you know, football is so cyclic. What an incredible upward momentum that side had, you know, in recent years. Do and um, you know it feels like that it's kind of slipping away for them through no real fault of
1: their own. Yeah, it's a shame. And talking of Truro, their former, well, farmer joint manager Chris Todd, he joined Gloucester over the past week as well and then he almost had an impact as we said he lost 1-0 at Billericay but Alan Julian the Billericay goalkeeper got man in the match in that game and you'd expect him to come in and have an impact at Glasgow?
2: Yeah I think so, I think you know, he'll take on board you know, the experience that he's had uh, previously, uh, you know obviously his time at Truro and, and his, his considerable time before that as well at... Um, at Eastley and uh, at Torquay so uh, they'll be a good, good uh, feather in their cap and uh, hopefully give them a, a really good fighting chance of uh, avoiding avoiding the drop. Uh, I noticed that just uh, just below them in the table, uh, Hungerford find themselves uh, in that bottom four having, uh, having lost it at home yesterday after taking the lead early on against Dalich
1: Hamlet. Um, tough times for, for Hungerford so they'll be hoping to get out they they played with fire a little bit last season so they'll be hoping that they uh, they can survive again this season.
5: Hi I'm Jake Robinson and you're listening to the NL full-time podcast.
1: So we're here to talk about the National League North now is live from his living room it's Chris Pratt hello Chris. Hello Luke how are you doing? I'm good cheers Uh, another eventful day in the National League North and we'll start off at the top again and Charlie it's now two games without a a win for them. A good point down at Telford. Telford put in a very good performance, took the lead through Henry Cowens, but then they were ped back by Josh Wilson and I'm sure Charlie will be mildly pleased with that result, won't he, I think, in the end.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not really a crisis, is it? Let's face it. <laughs> two games, two games, uh two games, two draws. Yeah, I think uh, I think they'll be pleased with it at the end of the day, Luke, because you know, going down to such an early goal and I, th- I think we were at a game the other day, weren't we, when there was a really early goal. I was it? I think it might have been at County, there was an early goal in the game, you think can we score too early? And maybe they did for Telford because you know, they after to put in a performance against the league leaders for, for the whole of the rest of the game and we nearly did it didn't they, until Josh Wilson popped up with that with that late goal and um, you know we were, we were talking at the end and he was saying that seem to put in a big performance but it's a massive boost for Telford they're having a great season and let's face it these two teams have outperformed expectations probably more so than anyone else in the National League North this season so you know well done to them and it sounded like a good game by all accounts as well.
1: Yeah and that meant Kidderminster could close the gap and they closed it to five points with a good win at Bradford Park Avenue the they bounced back from their FA Cup humiliation at Stourbridge last week to win by two goals, to one two goals for the, the highly-rated Ed Williams. And it's down to five points now, Chris. And we spoke to Shane Wilkerson a couple of weeks ago, and he said, well, when Mansfield won the conference, Mansfield were flying away with it, and Kidderminster kept on the coattails, and they're keeping on Charlie's coattails now.
0: Yeah, and Kidderminster have been one we pick every single season. Don't we? They're going to be up there. They're going to be up there. They may not get the the automatic promotion space, but they'll definitely be there and thereabouts. They'll definitely have a good chance in the playoffs. But it really does look like this might be the season where they where they really do. We know Bradford Park Avenue is not an easy place to go to. They're another team who are outperforming expectations at the moment, albeit they're not on the best run at the minute they've lost now lost um, three out of the last four um, but for Kidderminster to go up there and win and win in the style that they did because let's face it you know, Bradford Park Avenue were winning until the last ten minutes of the game until um, Ed Williams got those, those two goals so could this be Kidderminster's season? I don't know. What do you reckon, Luke? Do you reckon they could uh, do it this season? It's interesting
1: because I don't think any of us predicted Kidderminster to... I think we may be predicting to just be in the playoffs, but rather than challenging them because they've kind of fallen short, haven't they? In, like you say, last season, though, I think that'd be a game that they would have lost if they'd have gone behind and wouldn't have come back, would they?
0: No, yeah, I don't think so. And... Um... I I saw them at Bradford Park a couple of seasons ago I think and I think they got beat there by a a few goals and uh, like I say it is a really difficult place to go no one fancies that trip um, especially on a day like yesterday now I don't know what it was like everywhere else but certainly in Greater Manchester it was so windy it was was affecting the game at times and with that stadium being so open that just adds an extra level of, of difficulty to it so great three points really is
1: it was indeed, and uh, Geisley—they're kind of sneaking up the table now a little bit. They had a good 2-1 win against Brackley Town. Uh, King- Kingsley James, who's not known for his goal-scoring, scored again, and, and Paul Clayton, <coughs> who's been around the block, got a late winner. And the crowds have gone up a little bit. And uh, after a really slow start for guys left a relegation last year, they're starting to find their feet now. <laughs>
0: yeah he's, poor Clayton he's an absolute menace isn't he Clayton no one wants to go up against him because he's he's all arms and, and he's, he's just a difficult player to play against and he gets the best of himself doesn't he and he really does a job for the teams that he plays for and he seems to get he does seem to get a job at those sort of teams that, that maybe aren't going to be at the top of the league they're always around that mid table but he's a, he's a really difficult player to play against and he, yeah like you say he, he bagged the winner there yesterday now like you say crowds going up at Guysley, perhaps you know, some of the Guysley fans have been maybe a bit disillusioned about always battling for relegation and nicking those wins and they have had a few good runs at home but maybe it's just capturing the imagination a little bit that they might be able to get a season where they do get a bit more wins, they get a bit of momentum going and they maybe can push for those playoff places guys they have outperformed being in the national league for, you know, the season. Few seasons they were before they dropped down this season, and
1: a good win for them because you know Brackley are uh,
0: Brackley are a difficult team to
1: play. Guys are now a point behind Brackley and only three points off the playoffs themselves, so they'll be the, the other teams will be looking over their shoulders there. Another team had a really good win with Spennymoor biggest winners of the day five 0 against Ashington United and uh, five different scorers as well, Chris, and and they're getting aggrieved now when the manager of the month curse didn't affect Jason Ainsley.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Six wins from seven as well. Uh, One And the other one was a draw. Like I said, the sharing the goals around. He was absolutely delighted, Jason Ainsley. I've just watched his interview back actually a few minutes ago. And he said some of the football was an absolute delight yesterday and some of the goals were a delight. He just seems a happy guy. His players are playing great football. It looks easy for him at the moment, doesn't it? The way that they're they're playing. Difficult one next up though. They've got an overnight stay at Brackley. You know, that's a long journey. Mm We've got an overnight stay. Um, Brackley doing okay themselves this season. Maybe not as well as they have been doing. But that's probably going to be their biggest challenge, I think, um, the scoring goes for fun but I don't think the score goes for fun at Brackley next
1: up you predicted them to go down as always So uh, <laughs> you, you were talking bull on I that one you
0: can't, you can't uh, let that you got to let that drop now I Luke. will do
1: but it's a fact, it leads me nice into your next point because you were talking bull on that and you were talking bull yesterday at Edgley Park literally weren't you because <laughs> you went to see Hereford at Stockport County uh, it was an interesting game wasn't it? it finished one all in the end County I wouldn't say rescued were really, by Frankie Mulhern but it took a late penalty to get them a point in the end
0: uh, Look, it wasn't a classic I'll be honest Rick. it wasn't a classic it was one of those first halves I've seen at Stockport County too many times now actually I got another goal this first half um, where the away team just frustrates um, the home team really. Now, I think one of the things that Jim Gannon said when I was down there for his uh, his post match interview was that that people just expect us to go out and roll over these teams, you know, who are in bad form and, and not doing so well. And there's no, you know, county don't have a divine right to um, roll over anyone these days. Um, and they just they were just frustrated really. They didn't really have any clear cut opportunities. In the second half, Hereford scored with the very first shot on target in the game. I think it was after 52 minutes everyone put down Calvin Dinsley as the goal scorer until afterwards. I think Calvin Dinsley appears in everywhere as the goal scorer until he, uh, the, the boss came out afterwards and said it was actually Harvey Smith, so uh, yeah, it was Harvey Smith who, who scored the goal, but that was their first shot on target. They, they did have another one during the game, um, but for, yeah, Frank Mulhern did uh, save. I think it's fair to say he did save County. County piled on the pressure towards the end of the game um, without creating anything clear-cut, and it was a goalless draw, and it was one that um, the, the new boss was very happy with.
1: Yeah, Chris caught up with Mark Richards after the game. Okay, so with me on the NL Full Time Podcast, I've got Mark Richards.
6: Baptism of fire here, wasn't it? Really? How did it go? Yeah, I think when you look at the fixtures, and you know, obviously you came in, I came into the role, you know, just before the Welling game in the FA Cup, and you see that the next one, stopped Port County away, you think, okay, probably the hardest away fixture in the National League North. So yeah, we knew, you know, having played here and actually coached here before for for opposition teams you know how hard it's going to be so we were realistic with what we were trying to achieve today and That'd have been lovely to have nicked all three points, but you know that's. I think it was a, I'd say, fair result. Obviously, Stockport dominated massive parts of the game, and they had more of the chances. But I thought the boys really defended well, they defended the area well. They put their bodies on the line, and yeah, really pleased to come away with a point. Yeah, you managed to keep them quiet in the first half. Was that part of the game? Bro? Yeah, you know, you obviously got the vocal support here. I think it's the biggest following of any National League North club. So, you know, the first thing is to try and not get that momentum. You know, they get an early goal, then it's a really, really tough. Half afternoon so yeah it was nice to be going in at half time at nil nil and to be able to obviously build on that and then to score relatively early on in the second half something to hold on to then um and i'm, yeah, I'm glad we just got over the line because it was a bit like the alamo for the last 10 minutes no
0: you haven't been there long uh how does it feel coming in after someone who's been there for so long and, and putting your stamp on things i know you've got tim up and uh up in the stands although he wasn't he was on the bench no, today. He
6: today my <laughs> assistant coach was already at a, a previous engagement so um yeah it's it's difficult because obviously the lads you know are very fond of uh, of beads and jenks and you know I, I know the guys pretty well as well myself I've been sort of spoken to them regularly nearly, nearly every week over the last three years so I think that's always difficult any transition is difficult for a group of lads um, and obviously I've probably tweaked and changed a few things that would be different to what they're doing so I think it's the lads then getting used to that yeah. but you know it, it will take a bit of time and I think that's the thing for people to remember that we've only had three sessions, three training sessions and a game so far and that game was full of so many incidents in that first 25 minutes where I had Two in A and E, and and one came off of hamstring injury. So you say about baptism of fire. That first 25 minutes was an interesting one. Um, I remember just I just turned around to Tim and was like, "Ah, "Well, that wasn't how I'd envisaged this first 25 (laughs) minutes going." So you just got to roll with it. It is football. We're just looking forward to we've got two weeks now to actually do some really constructive stuff on the on the training pitch and have a look at a few players as well. And and that's the plan um, leading into Boston uh, away.
0: And lastly, we had three new loan signings um, from football league clubs on on the pitch today. Is that an example? Of um, the structure and the, and the change in things, or was that just through co- existing contacts?
6: Yeah, that's that's the great thing in terms of like the contacts that Tim has, the contacts that I've managed to generate over the last sort of three to four years is is people are hopefully they know how we do things and they they really want to obviously allow their players to hopefully come in have that experience you know coming to Stockport County away and playing in front of this crowd is, is very hard to replicate in under 23 football so for those guys to come and play first team football and know that points are on the line um, it's it's brilliant for their development and I'm just lucky that those clubs trust us to to be able to obviously give them that opportunity good luck for the rest of thanks the season so thanks much. Matt.
1: so that was Mark Richardson he seems a very positive guy doesn't he from what he said like you were interviewing him and he was pleased with the point but he had a very sort of positive aura about him didn't he
0: he was very impressive Luke I was really uh I was really impressed with the the measured way he spoke he had plenty of time for for the media after the game he was very he's very measured on the touchline when you watch him he's not one of these shouters he's got a notebook with him and he he barely says a word actually like he said in his interview he had uh Tim Harris down with him uh yesterday also you know I've interviewed him in the past also a really nice guy and I was really interested in what he said about uh, the Peter Beadle situation because what he said was with a high level of admiration and a high level of respect for the guy who has done you know done wonders for that club. Really, we were surprised. There was a lot of shock when um, Peter Beadle was removed from his post, but uh, and you can think what you like about that. I still think that was possibly uh, you know quite a hasty decision, but they've got two guys there with a lot of respect in the game they've got two really nice guys with a lot of time for everyone a lot of respect and I think they'll do a good job there and yesterday was a was possibly a turning point for them
1: Yeah and for Stockport Chris I mean just going back to them quickly I mean as you said I saw them a couple of times last year and teams know how to go to Edge Park now they know if they go to Edge Park basically not part of the bus as such but go to for straight Stockport they're more likely to get something because a crowd will get on the back and Stockport at times do seem to only have one way of playing and it, it can sort of be their downfall a little bit
0: yeah I think so uh, they don't seem to in fairness and they don't seem to have a, a plan B at the moment um, and in fairness to the fans they didn't get on the team's back during the game uh, I have seen that before but they didn't yesterday um, mainly because the Hereford fans were making so much noise Chit chatting to the Hereford press guys, they said, you know, this is they've been waiting for a day like this for a long time, and they did travel in numbers. I think there was about two hundred and fifty of them there yesterday. Yeah, there's there's no real there's no real plan B at the moment for County, and I think they're hitting too many long balls. It was as I said in um, one of the previous uh, reviews. It was a really windy day, so sometimes those balls are just going straight through to the keeper and. Uh, it's been a frustrating stop-start kind of season so far for county, and they're going to need to put another one of their sort of late November, December, January runs together if they want to get involved in the you know in the serious playoff picture this this season.
1: Yeah, they're trundling along in 11th position at the minute with four wins, four draws, and four defeats. It's FC United against Darlington, massive win for Darlington They, uh, they leapfrog. Uh, hereford and ashton united and also blyde spartans to go up to sixteenth but fc again chris uh, they had three men sent off last week against Wigan in the FA Cup they had two men sent off yesterday and a uh, real problem with discipline down there they ended up losing by two goals to one yeah
0: uh, you can't I mean you, you, you don't give yourself a chance do you let's face it you can't do stuff like that uh, 30 minutes is a long time to play with, with 10 men but also losing uh, Lewis Mansell with a, a few minutes left when you're trying to get back into the game doesn't doesn't help matters and after going 1-0 up in the game that will have, that will have got the fans uh, a little bit excited they really need to uh, they need to get a bit of stability and um, you know it's in the public domain that they, they did look at, uh, at Darren Kelly recently for the for the manager's job. He's he's stuck with Hyde. And so they are looking they are actively looking to sort that situation out and I really think they need to do it sooner rather than later now. But I, I really think it's not through lack of effort, they are trying to identify people. who just just can't name it at the minute
1: yeah the four points uh, behind not one the last it is looking a bit perilous from there the sort of games they lost at Nuneaton the uh, the week before uh, in the last league game and then they've lost to Darlington teams who were around them they really need to be picking up points in those two games don't they
0: it is looking bleak but look at the moment they're only four points off Blythe a couple of wins you know when they do get they will get a new manager in soon Um, a couple of wins they might get that bounce look I think there's you know there's still seven, eight teams who could be in that, that bottom three. And I think they're one of them, it's it it's not looking good at the moment. It hasn't looked good for them for the rest of the season, but I think it's too early to write them off just at the minute.
1: Chris, are you surprised that either down there they're only they're in 19th or point above the relegation zone? Uh, yeah, I am. I
0: am. Maybe I picked the wrong northeast team <laughs> in my predictions earlier in the season because I, I, you, I sometimes get these two teams mixed up because they play very similar football from a very similar area, but they're not doing not doing too great at the minute. I think if you look at them, they are the they are the win or lose, don't they? They've not got that many draws at the minute. They've won two out of the the last five. I am surprised to see them there because
1: they score a lot of goals unfortunately they're conceding a lot of goals as well at the moment yeah they, I think it took about 15 or 16 games last year before they even got a draw as well so they were similar last year but they were winning more than they were losing last year I think weren't they so.
0: I think it just shows look, how tough this division is this season and you've got teams outperforming expectations a lot of teams outperformed expectations you, know, you could put Leamington in there you could put um Altering them in there, and we talked about Bradford, Telford, and so it's meaning that some of those teams that we didn't expect to be down there are.
1: Yeah, I mean Lemington. I think the curse of the podcast has struck. They were up there. They've, they've slipped down to 14th after <laughs> defeat at, at home to Kers and Ashton. But Blythe maybe sort of have a bit of a buffer because of none Borough, who are currently occupying that last relegation spot. But news has broken out over the last couple of weeks, of course, that there's. They're close to going into liquidation potentially because there's there's money till the end of the month they say, and then after that they're not sure what's happened. The players have been told to try and find new clubs, and it, it's um, they didn't play this this weekend because of international call-ups. But it's um, it's looking bleak for Nuneaton at the minute.
0: It is. I've done a lot of reading on this one, and so. Just to clarify the situation, they need, they need a new board and company put in place by November the first. It's an unusual situation in that the amount owed to the creditors is quite small, but it does need to be resolved. And one thing that stood out for me actually was that the, pay, the player payroll is twenty five um, is twenty five k a month at Non Now I don't know about you, Luke, but that does seem quite high high to me for for the National League North. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's not a bad budget. That's probably lower, to, lower to mid table, isn't it? So yeah, it, it does make you think. Where is the money coming from? In a way,
0: yeah, they've got a shortfall for seventeen to nineteen k a month at the moment. So it's not looking good for them, is it? But you know, you've got to, you've got to keep your fingers crossed. And you know, we send our best wishes. I think because we we don't want to see them. We don't want to see them drop out, and um, best of luck to them for the future. Because it's a horrible situation to be in. I know there's a, a supporters cooperative that are, are doing the best there to to try and help resolve things. And there's all kinds of complicated situations going on. But at the end of the day, as long as they keep going, that's the main thing.
1: Yeah, and uh, finally, just briefly, Chris um, York City appointed Sam Collins as permanent manager. Over the last week, and uh, he responded. And again, uh, it was a really good win for York because he came from behind at Southport, albeit Southport are in the bottom two. But that's the sort of game when York fall behind, they struggle to win. But they actually came from behind and won that yesterday, no point of the playoff.
0: Oh, possibly another turning point. No disrespect to Southport, but it's not going to be their toughest game of the season. But it's quite symbolic, isn't it, when the new manager comes in and, and gets that win, especially away from home, and especially the nature that they did it. Uh, you know, Southport have got real problems, but. I'm pleased they've given him the job, actually, because I think he said it himself, he's served his apprenticeship, he's served his time, and you know he feels that he he deserves a crack at the job and this could be the right formula for, for york because they, you know they haven't promoted with him for a while, and you know as a guy he does know the club, so good luck to him.
1: Yeah, I think I the think York City fans are expecting a bigger name, but he's, I think he's only had one defeat so far in his tenure there, so he's not, he's not done too bad in his caretaker role. We'll have a quick look at the fixtures in the FA Cup, which uh, is next Saturday. Uh, some interesting ties there, the early, the early kick-off, um, and quite rightly as well, is between Dunstan and Gateshead. That'll be stri- streamed live on the BBC Online, and local rivals, they're, hardly, they're only literally two or three miles apart. and. Dunstan have done really well to get to this round and Gateshead as we know um, they've got good away form but this is a potential banana skin for Gateshead, isn't it?
2: Hugely, Luke. Uh, Dunstan, I think I'm right in saying they are officially the lowest-ranked side still left in the FA Cup so don't underestimate you know, just what uh, a David and Goliath contest this is. But what a lovely, interesting twist for Gateshead because... They're so used to living in the shadows of a Premier League side, aren't they, in Newcastle, and being little old Gateshead, suddenly Gateshead have turned into the giant here, haven't they?
1: Yeah. yeah, you imagine there'll be a big crowd for that one as well, um, roaring on the home side more than Gateshead, but as you say, it's... Um, it's it's a no-win situation for Gateshead really they're expected to win uh, and get through but then if they lose of course they've got egg on the face and um, the pressure is all on on the Tynesiders in the end
2: yeah absolutely Uh, you know look the one thing we know about the FA Cup, somewhere you know there will be shocks there will be shocks next week and I'd love and we all love it don't we you know we're not actually involved with the club that gets beaten you know it's just brilliant Uh, we love to see the underdog come through and try Personally, uh, the one result I will be looking out for outside of the game I'll obviously be at, which is all the shot at home, to Kettering, and I'll try and get a word with Kettering next week on their their great form this season, sitting top of the bus with Premier. The the result I'll be looking out for is my hometown club, St. Newt's Town. They've they've pulled out a really difficult tie away to Alfredton, um, a very very big day in the club's history as they try to as uh, they try to uh, make the first round proper for the first time.
1: That'll be a really interesting game, and if they can get them back to St Neots, Rob, I'm guessing you'll be down there cheering them on. If, if all the shot haven't got a replay, of course. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And a lot of people said to me about all the shots cluttering all and you would have preferred that one away, Rob. But well, do you know what I wouldn't? Because I would have been really really worried about that fixture, having been at Ketchum. um as it is. Hopefully, we'll be just uh, find a little bit of form at the right time, and we might be able to negotiate that one. But uh, of course, if there is a replay,
1: then uh, I will get myself down. There's a lot of interesting ties, actually. Just briefly, Um National League South versus National League teams in there. Uh, a lot away as well. So, like, you've got Maidenhead going to Chippenham, you've got Dover going to Concord, Bromley going to Gloucester City. There's loads on there, isn't there? In the Obviously in the north as well, you've got Barrow going to Charlie. So there's really some really interesting games there next week. That, that's the one that hits me,
2: to be honest. I mean, obviously, we have negotiated this kind of tie last season, didn't they? Obviously, they got themselves to the, uh, to the FA Trophy final. But you know what, Chris Todd coming in, um, first home game in charge uh, and an opportunity for a giant team, um, you know, what a great...
1: What a, that, that one's really set up nicely, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, we'll keep you abreast of what happens in next week's pod. So our Step 3 focus this week is on Tamworth. Tamworth were formed in 1933 after the previous Tamworth Club, Tamworth Castle, ceased to exist. They originally played at a ground called the Jolly Sailor Ground, but after a year had to move into the brilliantly named Lamb Ground. In 1989, they won the FA Vars beating Sudbury Town at Wembley in a game that finished 1-1. But in the end, it had to go to a replay, which was played at London Road, the home of Peterborough United and Tamworth won the replay by three goals to nil. In February 2006, the club signed former England and Arsenal midfielder Paul Merson. Although, he didn't last that long, he only played two games for them. He played in a 2-1 loss at home to Halifax and then was dropped for the bench at the next game. And following this, he announced his retirement from football as a professional player. The club have yo-yoed between the National League and National League North ever since. Their most high-profile day was in the 2011-2012 Season when they were defeated by Everton in the third round of the FA Cup, where around 5,000 Lamb supporters made the trip to Goodison Park. Last season it wasn't a good season for them as the club were relegated from the National League North and are now playing in the Southern League Premier Division Central. And before their home game against Redditch on Saturday, I spoke to their Chief Operations Officer, George Dells. Hi, George. How's it going? I'm good, thank you. So, Last year was um, a bit of a surprise, really. You know, not a lot of people expected Tamworth to to go down, but you did. And can you just put your finger on what went wrong in the end last year?
5: Yeah, well, there's um, obviously we've spent a lot of time kind of debating that. Really difficult to put the finger on on one reason. Like you you alluded to, we didn't really see see it coming. We started extremely well, um, and we were right up towards the top end of the table um, after after ten and fifteen games, still in the playoff positions, which is. Kind of the target that we set ourselves at the at the start of the season. Um, a big turning point for us was was the departure of Reese Stich, who was our kind of our top goal scorer and our main um, talisman at the top end of the pitch. Um, Mid season to, to Darlington, um, and, and to be fair, we, we struggled to replace him. We rolled around a lot of players in the second half of the season. Again, um, it was a little bit hit and miss. We had a managerial change as well, but. Unfortunately, everything we tried, we just couldn't quite halt that hold that, sli- uh, that slide, and we are we are where we are at the moment.
1: It's still difficult to get your head around because you've got the Evo Stick Premier Division, but now you're in kind of the new—is it called the Midland Division?
5: Yeah, so it's the it's the Southern Premier South. So they've they've gone from um, three divisions at Step Three to four divisions at Step Three. So there's the Southern League South and the Southern League Central, and we're we're in the Central.
1: And so at the minute you've you've not had um, the greatest start. You kind of I think you're in thirteenth, aren't you now? Probably not the start you wanted. You've had to make a managerial change and you brought in Dennis Green, who's an experienced campaigner at this level. Yeah, that'd
5: definitely be fair to say we've we've not had the start that we were looking for. Um we're still in nine games in, so there's obviously a really a really long way to go. Um, the biggest disappointment so far is probably um falling at falling at the first hurdle of the FA Cup, which is, as everybody knows is a really big um a really big deal for this club in particular with the FA Cup pedigree that it that it's got um, in terms of Everton, Norwich City, Stoke and kind of a lot of big teams over the past mm. over the past few years. Um it's really, really tight in the division. Um a win for us at home to Redditch today has got, we could leap kind of five, six, seven places up, up the table. So our target's still to get out of the first attempt. Uh, Kettering have started really, really well. We play them here on Tuesday. we we can't really afford to lose to them if we've got any aspirations of of catching them, but certainly not making it into the top five and not qualifying for the playoffs this season will be seen as as a, a fairly substantial failure with 31 games as we as we sit here today still to go.
1: Yeah I mean you came down into that division but then you look you look at the teams in that division, like you say Kettering are in there Stourbridge had a really good win over Kiddermins from the FA Cup, Hales Owen AC rushing and diamonds, Kings Lynn there's so many teams with like pedigree in there, it's such a strong league on paper
5: Yeah I think I, w- I wouldn't say our lads have um, underestimated the strength of the division but how, how many times do you see it when when teams at kind of every level come down and it just takes that little little bit of time to adjust. Um, we've got lads who were playing national league football, um, and some lads who've been playing in the league last season um, in in League Two. So we know that they've got the ability. They're just not quite not quite gelled yet, and not quite playing as a unit just yet. So we still we still feel there's a lot to come from from some of the boys. So hopefully we can uh, we can get the, the three points today and start making our way up. We feel with with kind of some of the performances we've put in of. Have perhaps deserved a few more points than we do have on the board. We've missed, we've missed a penalty at home to to Oliver Church to win it with with five minutes to go. We've conceded in the ninety seventh minute to to go from a win to a draw away at Rushton and Diamonds. We've conceded in the eighth to ninth minute at home against Royston in in Dennis's first game to lose the game. So we we feel we've, we feel our points totals maybe not quite reflective of what we've the performance that we've put in so far, but you get what you get mm. so we've got to uh, we've got to try and get some points on the board as soon as possible really
1: In terms of just the history of Tamworth I mean where's it all gone wrong in the last few years you had like a really good National League pedigree you were floating about there for a bit And do you think sort of the strength and the, the teams in the National League it just kind of got big for a team like Tamworth without sort of sounding disrespectful
5: Yeah so I mean in National League North um, the, last, the last two or three seasons the biggest change obviously has been the almost The professionalisation of it I suppose in in terms of the fact that you're you're looking at not far off a 50-50 split certainly last season of of teams who are full-time and and teams who are part-time if you get the part-time model right you can definitely still be competitive if you look at Chorley this season they've started started extremely well but it's taken kind of four or five years of gradual incremental improvements to get to get to that point certainly the last couple of winners of the league you look at Salford and and Fylde in particular full-time teams Budgets where they can blow the, the likes the likes of ourselves out of the water. Mm. Um, having said that, there's no getting away from the fact that we've we've underachieved quite significantly from a, from a first team point of view. We've developed a lot of the a lot of the other areas of the club, introducing our academy and community stuff, uh, laying the 3G pitch, and having a um, a facility that makes us financially sustainable. But as good of all that stuff is, obviously, we get judged on results from a first team point of view, and, and rightly so.
1: And in terms of you're one of the teams, or oh, a number of teams, and we're starting the uh, the 3G pitch model, and obviously that's good. Now we're approaching the sort of autumn and winter times, you know, you'll get games on. But how has that sort of benefited you financially?
5: Yeah, so the big, the biggest thing for us would be the fact that it's it it makes us to an extent almost self-sustaining, um, rather than relying on benefactors or relying on kind of an FA Cup run or player sales and all that kind of stuff, um, you've only got to look at the amount of clubs every single season that are experiencing financial difficulties, um, obviously the and town being the topical one um, kind of one of our local rivals mm-hmm. at, the, at the moment, really that the, the investment by the chairman and the board of directors in the 3G pitch mean that kind of scenario that the Neaton are facing at the moment with difficulties in paying players and Um, kind of financial shortfalls when they've not got a home game because they've been knocked out of the FA Cup those cash flow issues should hopefully not really be able to affect us moving forward um, which is obviously a a massive plus and gives us a good base to build uh, to build from to mount our promotion challenge this season
1: Excellent. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, George, and uh, all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon. Well, Rob, thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure to with you. Brilliant, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on at NL Full Time on Twitter. You can email us at gmail at gmail.com or give us a follow on Facebook as well. Until then, happy football watching, and we'll speak to you soon.